Well, good morning. How is everybody doing today? Good. It's good to hear you sing. Good to hear you say that you're good as well, to know you're there. Um, my name is John uh, McWhorter. I am a member here. Um, this isn't my normal thing to be up on stage and to, um, to speak to the group. Um, and I, uh, so I appreciate I'm a little bit nervous. So I appreciate I see some smiles. You guys are rooting for me. I appreciate that. Um, before we hop in and get started, I'm going to just say a prayer for this time. Father, we, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you, God, for this group, uh, this family that you've formed here, and that we can come and worship you, set our hearts on you, um, to learn what your word says and, and how that impacts our lives when we leave this place. God, I pray this morning that we would um, clearly hear from you. God, I am not a perfect vessel to deliver your message, but in spite of that, God, I pray that you're words would be spoken today, that we would um, understand uh, what the Bible says about this topic of love and, and really what, what that means for us as we leave and, uh, and live our lives day to day. Um, so thanks again, God. We give this time to you and turn our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is part two of a series, like Scott said, about love in high definition. Um, and I think I like that that name because that makes sense to us. We walk into Costco and there's an 80 inch screen and it looks really crisp and clear. And you see they do the standard and then the high definition next to each other. Obviously high definition is, is better. Um, but it makes sense to us. And it, you know, what we're doing here, the goal of, of this series is to really create the clearest picture possible of what love is, um, how God created it, what it's supposed to do, what it looks like. And so, um, so we want a high-definition picture of love. And we need this reminder um, in Scripture because love gets blurred. It's a, it's a common word. It's a common uh, concept. In fact, I heard somebody say recently that, you, that something like 90% of all songs have to do with love. And if, whether or not it says the word, it's about some sort of love. I don't know if that's true, but it seems like that could be true. You turn on the radio and you hear uh, Kesha, you know, your love is my drug. That's a popular song. I don't know many more words to that song other than that. That's the chorus. Taylor Swift, every song she writes has something to do with love and we broke up and but I love you still or something. So <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. That's um, John Mayer has a, a bunch of songs. I like him. But you love who you love, who you love. And it's we get all these things. One of the one of the ones I was Googling last night, if there's any more great examples I could say right here. Um, and I remembered a song by Macklemore. He's like a, a rap guy, um, <laughs> rapper. He, uh, his song is, is Same Love. And that one really is, is just springing out of his opinion of, on love. And it's pretty, um, there's a lot of strong opinions out there. And, and music gets in and the tunes get in. And even that is a way that we kind of get this blurred picture and we need to, to know. Thankfully, God is help, helps us define it. Um, I'm glad that, uh, that God has left us his word. He, he, he gave an example and then he left us his word as well. And, and here at OCC, when we want to get clarity on something and really get what does this mean and answer those questions, the Bible is the authority. And so we look to the Bible to see what, to see what love is because God speaks a lot about it. Um, what, 
Something I've been learning recently, just in my walk with God, is that he likes to deal with the root issues. He, there's not a whole lot of surface stuff that he's concerned about. It's, it's the heart and the root of problems and, and, and things. And um, it made me think of, I'm trying to keep an avocado tree alive in my backyard. Maybe you are too, or some sort of tree or vegetation. And in Riverside in the summer, that's hard. But it would, it would do me no good to go out and trim the leaves a little bit and um, squirt bottle, you know, spray the leaves. What, I, what is more effective is to make sure the roots are healthy. Make sure the little berm around the base of the tree is allowing water to, to get down to the roots. And um, my energy is better served focusing on the roots. And, and that's what God does with us. Um, he doesn't want to just trim some of the surface things. He wants, he wants our hearts, really the roots, to... Um, to be impacted by the way he designed it. So he's dealing with our root um, in our life. And today we're going to dig into two different passages that they really reveal some of these root issues concerning love. Um, We're going to see a major barrier to love, and we're going to see how to break through that barrier. Um, So we're starting in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, This chapter is common to us. You've probably heard it before at a wedding or... um, at some point in your life, it's quoted, uh, and it really is. It's a gold mine for knowing what love is, how God designed it. So let's recap real quickly. Last week, um, Bruce spoke on the first three verses. They'll be up here. And that says, if, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, If I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, even deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So to summarize, um, love should be the motive. Love has to be the fuel behind our words and our deeds, or or we're nothing. If if we put all our words, all our deeds on this scale and and look to see what our reward is going to be, but... and if those things are loveless, the scale says zero. Um, our words, our deeds need to be just totally soaked in love for them to matter. Um, and so kind of setting the stage for this is an important thing. Um, we, we go to verse 4 today, and it starts to lay out more specifically what it means to love. First um, Corinthians 13, verse 4, just the first part, says, Love is patient and kind. Um, when Josh um, asked me to speak uh, this morning, I was like, cool, like, give me like three chapters of the Bible. I could just read it and that'll be like 20 minutes and we'll be done. Um, but I have a whopping nine words here. So the, the first part is this love is patient and kind. Um, and we're going to unpack this a little bit. The second part, though, is where we'll spend a little more time. Um, it really kind of one of those root issues, a problem. Um, it helps to look at at what love is. It also helps to look at what it's not. That's kind of the second part. <clears throat> I was a bank teller for a couple of years, and uh, every once in a while, a counterfeit bill would come through. And uh, I think it only happened to me once. I only got fooled one time, but it would happen sometimes. And we would, everyone would pass those around, look at them. Some of them were awful counterfeits, just not the right paper, not the right color. It was blue or something. I don't know, but. There's some really bad ones that I've seen, but then I saw some pretty good ones. And I said, are you sure this, this looks pretty good? But 
but for sure it was counterfeit. So it really helps to know what the real thing is when you look at what it's not. Um, so there's just two ways to look at it. So first, let's, let's look at what it is. Love is patient and kind. The word patient, it's, these, these are familiar concepts, which is why we're not going to really dig in uh, for a long time here. But patience means to bear with, um, to, to be with. Literally, it means to hold oneself against. And especially in times of trouble or conflict, patience is, is sticking it out. Um, I have a year-and-a-half-year-old daughter, a little, little older than that, not quite two. And, uh, and I've seen this scenario play out despite trying to coach her through not doing this, but if she's playing and with, with a toy with somebody or, and then there's trouble or conflict comes into that situation, um, she takes her toy back and goes, find, goes to find mama or dada and, you know, pulls out of that situation. Trouble comes up, you know, she may be out of there. And patience is, is kind of the opposite. Patience is bearing with in spite of trouble or in spite of problems that come up. Not to, not to pull your toy away and, and get out of there um, like our tendency is to do. Um, it's not to retaliate hastily. Um, it's not to promptly punish somebody. So patience means just hang in there. Um, you got to remind yourself that uh, making the other person, if, if trouble comes up in a relationship, making them pay for that trouble doesn't help them, doesn't help the situation. Patience is just hanging in there. <clears throat> it has a calmness to it as well. Patient love is calm. It, it remains level-headed. and um, Sometimes in conflict, and I do this, I need to step back, take my moment, um, and then get back in. The, the goal is not to check out, pull my toy and, and leave um, for good. It's The goal is to get in there and, and to be patient. Um, this kind of love, here's the best picture I think of it. This kind of love knows how to put a fire out, not how to add fuel to the fire to keep it, keep it going. So that's patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. To be kind, we know this word too. To be kind, it means to be useful actually. Um, it carries the idea of being gracious and good and merciful. The Bible tells us to be kind in our speech. And, uh, and we can understand that because, you know, when, when you run into somebody and you think, um, man, they, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed today, didn't they? Or I don't want to get too close to them today. Um, I might get poked or there's just an edge. To be kind with our words literally is to be smooth, to not have an edge to what we say and and to, uh, to hurt people with our words. Kindness, it's the opposite of, of that person that woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Kindness is useful. It's, I, I'd say and do what is needed, what fits this, this situation, what helps the problem. That's kindness, and love is kind. So love is patiently calm when you're interacting with difficult people or you're, you're interacting with people in a hard situation. Love is calm. It aims to help, be useful, um, to benefit others. And, uh, and that kind of love, um, we, we understand those concepts. That's not groundbreaking stuff this morning. We, we understand that. Um, the real benefit of this kind of love is it can refresh um, a relationship that might have gone stale. And adding patience, adding kindness to that relationship really refreshes um, the problem with love is not that we don't know how to do it. 
as much as we actually have a hard time doing it. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not a cognitive thing. I, I don't understand this concept. It's a practical. How do I do this? Or can I do this? Or I don't want to do this, but I, you know, I know I should. There's that tension. So this next statement in the verse shows us kind of the core, kind of the root problem we have. Um, when, when the right kind of love fuels our words and our deeds, patience and kindness just come. And there's that flow that, that's happening. But there's a barrier that can stop that. That love, that flow of love, there's a barrier that we have to deal with, and that's envy. Envy is a major enemy of love. The next part of our verse, it says, love does not envy. Those are the, the last four words that, that we get to talk about. Um, love does not envy. If, if love is patient, envy is not. Envy says, I want what I want, I'm going to get it now. That's, that's not patience. And if love is kind, envy is not kind. Envy says, you've got that thing and I want that. I'm not going to help you. Why would I be useful to you? Or why would I aim to be helpful to you? Um, so envy here is, is the opposite. Envy comes from a root word. It, and, and here again, we look at this word. It means to burn. Um, and I think, unfortunately, I mean, I can relate and kind of understand what that's getting at. Maybe you can. But, but that burn inside, when somebody has something, that I want, and then I, I start to really get anxious, and a, and a little, you know, might start small, some sparks and some heat, but then if I let that go, there's just this burning envy. When you envy, you burn with a desire for what somebody else has, and you begin to resent them. So it actually takes this personal turn against that person. And I, you know what? I really resent that person that they got that thing, that I, I deserve that, and they maybe they don't, and you know, it takes this personal turn. So, we, so we're actually going to focus here on envy and how, how to overcome that. You, when envy sneaks in and that fire gets lit and starts to burn, that, that's, our, that's the indicator. That's when we have started going down the wrong path. Um, and that's really not a path that we want to be on. Envy destroys our relationships because it short circuits patience and kindness. Instead of going the patience and kind, really the route that love would go, we go a different way. And when that goes unchecked inside of us, it actually changes us. Um, here's a, a picture of a character from the movie Lord of the Rings. So this is Gollum. And you might have seen this movie or just have seen him. Um, J.R. Tolkien wrote the epic trilogy, Lord of the Rings. I really enjoy watching, you know, spending 10 hours watching all of those movies back to back, but, but this character here, I think J.R. Tolkien puts this character into the story to show us what envy can do to us. Um, show the, the next slide is Smeagol, right? So I think I got that. I said it wrong in the first service. This is Smeagol before, and then Gollum is the after. So that's the before and after view. Smeagol was a hobbit in the story. Um, he actually ended up, if, correct me if I'm wrong, after the service, but he killed... He killed to get this ring, and then when he lost it, his whole life just became about getting it back. Um, so his heart wrapped around, the envy really got to his heart as he wrapped around this ring that the story is about. His favorite word was precious, my precious. You, you can probably hear that in your head. Um, 
the ring that rightfully belonged to somebody else became his precious thing, and, and that just ate him away. Check out this video clip of, of Gollum, what envy did to him. Pretty intense. So you might say, yeah, that's, you know, fictional. There's computer graphics going on. I watched, like, the making of this character, and it's this guy that puts on a morph suit. And anyway, that's, that's computer. That's animated, right? But I think it's actually probably a pretty good picture of what's going on inside. When we get envious, we wrap around. The point here is it changes us. Like Smeagol changed into this. Um, and when it goes unchecked, this is what happens. We need to always kind of keep a check on envy in our heart. When we want things bad enough, like, like Smeagol wanted the ring, love is no longer fueling um, our interactions with people. He dealt with people and probably was burned and burned bridges with people. But when we do that, uh, we, lose, we lose love for other people in our heart. When envy is driving us instead of love, envy really just puts on a chauffeur hat and takes us the way it wants us to go, and, and we, we should not want to go that way. There's really three major categories of things we envy, and I can relate to all three of these things. First, status and significance are, is a real slippery slope for us. When somebody else gets the title, they get the job, they get that responsibility that I wanted, um, that's really hard. But we want that, and they got it, and that's, a, that's an invitation um, for us to begin to envy that. It could be somebody close in our family even. It can be a friend. Um, and, and our love just kind of dries up and, and takes another direction. Um, it's easy to do that. Another area is stuff. And um, I definitely understand this. I mentioned the 80-inch screen at Costco. You walk in, you see that. Oh, that's kind of cool. But then you realize so-and-so got that. And it's in their house. And it takes up the whole wall in front of their couch and... Oh, my goodness. Man, that's, that's stuff. You know, it's just, it's stuff. So they drive by in the car, and, or um, it might be, I don't know, I'm assuming, you know, for ladies, maybe it's the shoes or the, the jewelry, or, you know, I don't necessarily relate to the jewelry thing, but, but not even that. We, we start to think, you know what, I, I wish I could shop there, or I wish my car was a little more new, smelt good again, or, you know, that stuff just kind of gets into our into our hearts, and, and that's an easy, easy thing for us to, to slide into envy over. Another area, success. We normally have a picture of what success is going to look like for us. We make, you know, the, the one-year, the two, the five-year plan and beyond, and we have this picture, you know, things are, if things go right, this is what it looks like. But then somebody has the nerve to pull ahead of us in our picture of success. That should have been me, um, you know, that, it's real easy right there to let envy. You know, there's other things, but these are, these are pretty common. And they all start with S, so we can remember them. But these are common areas, the things that we envy. Um, it doesn't just affect the person that we're envious of when, we, when they kind of slide ahead of us and we get envious. It changes us. Um, it really is. It's like a wrecking ball to our uh, relationships. I'm done, you know, with the popular songs. I'm not talking about that song. I'm talking about the wrecking ball, how it was designed, what it does. There's actually a video. Check out this video of a wrecking ball in action. 
about that? How about that? I think the guy said. Um, it, that wrecking ball, it was designed to destroy. And it, it just knocks away at, you know, in a strategic point in the structure and it, and it goes down. I don't know if you noticed, it even wrecked the wrecking ball on that one. It, the, the thing knocked it over. But, so that's envy is the wrecking ball. And the structure is our relationships. Where, where love um, and really goodwill in a relationship starts to build this structure, envy comes in. And it just pounds away, and, it, and it's wrecking our relationships, and that's that's a major problem. There's another verse that we'll look at, James 3:16, and I think that verse accurately describes what's happening when envy comes in and starts to destroy. James, by the way, is the half brother of Jesus, and uh, I think imagine your brother or someone like a brother or sister to you that says, you know what? Actually, I'm God. And uh, you should follow me. Um, I got a hundred reasons why I'm not going to follow you and, and, I, and why I don't think you're God. So the fact that James followed Jesus is pretty strong evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. His brother got on board. And, and he writes a helpful verse here. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder, every vile practice. So here jealousy is a synonym for envy. Um, like we're looking at in 1 Corinthians. Envy, what, what it's saying, the, the progression is envy leads to disorder. Disorder is confusion, or literally we, that could have been translated riot. Envy is going to lead to rioting in our relationships, like a crowd rioting in a city, smashing windows, looting, um, lighting fires out of tires. I don't quite know how they light the tires on fire, but they do. And that's just, that's a, that's a, a unfortunate thing to happen in our relationships. Envy causes this kind of disorder. So what does that look like? How, uh, what, how do I avoid this in my life? And, and we're, we're starting to get there. One of the things that where envy slips in a lot of times these days, um, Instagram and social media is a pretty popular uh, thing. It's, it's accessible. It's in our pocket. We pull it out and, and we instantly have access to see other people's stuff to see their success, to see their status. Um, And it really has the power to mess up some of those relationships if we're not careful. I'm not saying Instagram is bad. I have it. I like to post pictures of my daughter. Um, Eating a pickle for the first time was my last post, and that was pretty funny. So so it's not always bad, but but Envy's job gets a lot easier when we put ourselves in a position um, to really check out what other people their status, their stuff, that, that whole list, we might realize that our hearts are actually turning a little bit from that person. They might become hardened and we stop caring about their needs. We might begin to withhold kindness from them if we're being real honest and taking inventory of, am I, am I getting envious of that person? We might get um, stubborn towards them, especially if in a, you know, another practical setting at work, if somebody is ahead of us at work, uh, we might, envy might cause us to really dig our heels in under that person and really make them pay. Um, so we might, we might even start hurting people to get what we want. That's um, unfortunately an effect that envy can have. It's like a high-speed pursuit. Have you ever seen one on TV? I'm sure you have. It, it seems like everything stops and, you know, they show the high-speed pursuit. My brother-in-law has an app on his phone that 
alerts him, hey, turn it, turn on Fox, there's an alert. And, and he texted me once, like, check it out. So, so people are into this kind of thing. And you, so you can picture the high-speed pursuit. Somebody did something illegal. They're trying to, to run away from it. And if something gets in their way, what happens? They're, they're smashing through. People, cars, buildings, I mean, they're just leaving a, a trail of destruction on their way out. And this is what envy can do to our relationships. Something we want, and we blow past patience and kindness. Um, we're going down that path, and it's ruining relationships. So that's the problem. God wants to help us with that. That There is hope. We sing, our God reigns. That he brings hope. He, his love is an example to us. So love gains the advantage over envy if we stop before it starts. If, we, if we're at the, you know, the fork in the road, I could choose love or I could choose envy. Um, the gravity is going to pull us towards envy because of our sin, because of the world we're in. Um, but if we stop at the, before it begins and, and choose the right way, then love is going to win. Again, James, in chapter 4, uh, the first part, He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. So James is saying in this passage, the one major source of conflict in relationships is is coveting. Um, And coveting is to want something, and then, oh, so-and-so has that. That, that easy, that, that easy to slip into, that's a coveting uh, approach. The path that leads to envy, it begins, there's a progression. So there's three, three things here that, that it progresses. First, starting with a desire. Now, desires are normal. Desires um, are good. Desires, they can be good. They can be bad. Um, those are inside of us. Um, we can desire good things like... Uh, good relationships with friends and good, I want to work hard at my job. I really desire that. I really desire to be the best friend or parent or son or daughter I can be. Those are good desires. Some of our desires, you know, are bad. Um, We all have good and bad desires. Um, Desires turn into coveting when we notice someone has what we want and we want that too. We decide, you know what, I want that too. So that's the next step in this progression towards envy is we, we desire it, but then we notice somebody else has that thing. And, uh, and that begins to, to cause a tension inside. And we're familiar with this word and with this concept, coveting, because God said it's out of bounds. He put it on the top ten list in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments that uh, many people are familiar with. Um, check out in Exodus 20 from the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. We might update this list and say, you know, you shouldn't covet your neighbor's car. You shouldn't covet his granite countertops and his, you know, new whatever, I don't know, phone. It seems like phones are coming out every month and somebody's got a cooler one. You know, God says, don't let that get to you. Don't covet so important, actually, that it made the top ten list. So why does God do that? Um, because it leads to envy. When, when I'm coveting something, they have it, I want it, 
But then envy is next when it starts to turn. It, it, there's, a, there's a personal turn, and I actually resent that person. That's where we get into envy. The scary thing is these things aren't all that different. You know, there's, it's a, it's, you can move quickly through this process to envy. And the problem is it's impossible to love somebody if you envy them. You're completely unmotivated. Because it took that personal turn and because I resent them, that just clogs love that you're able to express to them. God tells us not to covet. It's like a virus. Have you ever been sick with something that's viral? And it gets, it gets into you and it's bad and you're sick and you're too hot and too cold and you, your back hurts and you can't sleep and other stuff. But, you know, you go to the doctor and they say, oh, here, do this and you'll get better. But envy is like that virus, and, and, and left untreated, it leads to worse and worse things unless we treat it. Um, so it's critical that we stop envy at that fork in the road before it begins to take us down its own path. Envy blocks love if we don't keep it in check, and love wins if we trust God to give us what we need. So here we are. This is the root issue. If we really are trusting that God will give us what we need, um, that can really be a help in alleviating envy, alleviating the tension we feel when we want something and somebody else has it. Um, our problem, we need to realize this. Here's kind of the crux. Here's the core. Our problem with, when we envy is not with that person that, we're, that we look to. Our problem is actually with God who could have given us that thing that he gave to them. Um, it's really, that's kind of a, a humbling fact when we realize my problem is with God and that's not a good thing. Um, as long as we think that that person is the problem, we'll never be able to get the envy out of us. Um, the other person isn't, isn't the problem. Here's, again, what James says. We continue in, in uh, chapter 4. You don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Um, this is saying that we just have to settle this matter with God. Um, God loves us. He knows what's best for us. Just like, you know, a parent uh, who knows, and now that I'm a parent, this statement rings a little bit more true. You know, I know what's best for you. As a child, you don't like to hear that. Um, but our daughter has this uh, love affair with the uh, dishwashing machine, and she loves crawling onto the door, and I, you know, it's going to break. That's not best for me if my door breaks, but, but there's also sharp things on the low shelf, and there's knives and forks and things, and, and um, I wasn't there, not that it wasn't my fault, but she got into the dishwasher one time, and she, and she had knives and was just, you know, hanging out, walking around, and obviously that's not in her best interest. She doesn't understand um, so we need to say no. We need to say no. Don't climb into the dishwasher. As fun as you think that is and as rewarding. Um, and that, in a funny way, God does that. Um, this is where faith really comes into the equation. We need to trust that when God says no, um, we need to be okay. All right, you know what's best. You love me and, and you know what's best for me. Um, God is the one we need to settle this problem of envy with. Um, and, and faith, if, and, and maybe you're, you're not there in, in your walk with the Lord and you're exploring what it means to trust God. Um, in a nutshell, here's what faith is all about. It's, it's trusting him to guide us. Um, it's trusting God 
that he's not going to rip me off in this in this life and that he's going to say, yes, he's going to give us blessings. And and it's amazing to reflect on God's blessings in our life. But he's also going to say, no, that's part of the faith equation. And we need to trust. We've got to trust him that that he knows better. God has really given us what we need. Um, He created the world. He created us. People turned against him. And God, God could have responded, maybe I would have responded with, all right, I'm done with, with you. But he responded by giving his son a huge sacrifice. Jesus gave his life so that we could have forgiveness, that we can have eternal life. Um, and that's love in high definition. We need to be mindful um, in our pursuit of getting a clear definition of love. We need to be mindful of how God loves us. What does this look like? Um, that's really love. I was reading this morning and kind of unrelated to even, I thought unrelated to what I was speaking on. And God kind of showed me this in Psalm 107. Uh, it's a song, so there's this line that keeps coming back up. It's kind of the theme of the song. And it says, um, let, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Um, it, it closes by saying, let him who heeds these things... And consider the great love of, of the Lord. We need to consider how God is loving us. And that, and that word unfailing kind of popped up in my mind. And I was thinking, I've got a lot of things that fail. And, you know, we all do. Our cars end up failing. And that can lead to envy of somebody who's got a better car. Um, as silly as it sounds, our teeth are going to fail. Our hair might one day fall out and fail us. And there's just life. We're just pounded over and over again with with unfailing things. So, I'm sorry, with failing things. So how great is it to think, consider God's love. It's never going to fail. It's always going to be there. It's always our example. So since God's love, in his love, he's given us all we need, we can really choose to be content with what he gives us. Um, We can choose the right response to somebody who gets what we want. Um, Again, fork in the road. We can choose that, that right response. What we need to do, and here's kind of to to close on a practical thing. What we need to do is not just get rid of envy. That's that's going to be difficult, and it's going to be a process. But it's not enough just to remove a bad habit. You actually need to replace that habit with something the opposite, something good. Um, And so what, what we need to do is when somebody gets what we wanted, we need to actually celebrate with them. Instead of have our own pity party and get wrapped up into... um, you know, what, what Smeagol was wrapping up into. Uh, what we need to do is celebrate. Hey, you got that thing. Great. That, let's celebrate. Let me buy you a Coke and tell me about that thing. Um, that's effective for me, by the way. Just, that's a celebration. Uh, maybe think about what, how can I really celebrate with this person? Love wins when we stop comparing what we have, what they have, and we start celebrating with other people. That's kind of the, that's the habit that we need to work in and, and what Scripture helps us understand about love. I find myself coveting, and maybe you do too sometimes. Um, maybe it's the status thing. Maybe it's the stuff that we want or uh, success that comes along the way for other people. But what we can do is ask God, and he will help as we begin celebrating with them. Um, it's one of those things where your heart probably won't be there the first time you do it. But you've just got to do it slowly. You know, your heart gets behind it. And you really genuinely are celebrating with people. 
Um, and God will help us with that. I want to invite the worship team back up um, to the stage. Ushers, would you start uh, your preparations for the, the tithes and offerings? And I'd like you to think through um, some of your next steps this morning. Pull out that connection card in your bulletin, and you can use this time, a couple minutes, fill out any information on there or even some next steps that I'll be suggesting. You can drop that card in the offering basket. With this series, we're beginning to unfold and try to really get a clear picture of love and how we can work that into our lives. Um, It's not enough just to know, okay, that's what it is. We know love is patient and love is kind. The hard part is getting it into our lives. How do we do that? So the verse, look again, love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. Um, Nine words that we could say a lot more about. Um, It really is impossible to love people if if we hold envy towards them. Envy, again, removes that motivation to love people. Love genuinely is going to throw a party for somebody when, when, that, when success comes, when stuff comes. And it's important that we stop comparing. Um, that's, that's going down the wrong path. Ask for God's help in overcoming. Uh, we probably can't do it on our own. We could give it a good shot, but we really need God's help to do that. So here's some next steps that, that may be helpful to you. Memorize James 3.16, and it says, For where, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be destruction in every vile practice. Keep that on your mind, that that's the path that we pull towards. Just gravity pulls us that way. Um, another thing you may do, write a note, give somebody a call or a text, say, you know what, I really am happy for you. Congratulations on that thing. I really appreciate that you got that. And that... That's hard to do. I started thinking, who could I do that for? And man, that's, that takes a lot. So maybe that's a third or fourth step for you. But think, where am I at on this issue? And what's my next step? And you can mark that on your connection card. Let me pray as we close. Father, thank you so much for your love. Uh, we sing about it and we read about it. And um, we try to work that into our lives our day-to-day interactions with people and it actually it's a hard thing thank you for your example thanks for your word that helps us get a real clear picture of, of what love is help us god to begin to unravel the envy that our heart might be in help us god to, to see where it is we choose the wrong path and we choose we don't choose love and help us god to really genuinely celebrate with people. Allow our hearts to get there quicker when we start practicing that. God, we pray for this offering and ask that you would use it uh, for your kingdom. Pray you would um, give the church and leaders wisdom on how to best do that um, as we give. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen.